one I want to focus on and uh, emphasize a particular aspect here of the work that is being accomplished by the Lord and how he is designated. Luke chapter 1 and verse 30, the angel said unto her, speaking of Mary, of course, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. That, uh, that favor is definitely a, uh, an aspect uh, that we are privileged to operate in. Uh, well, operate may be the wrong word. Privileged to live in. And thank God for it. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, that really got her attention at that point. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So quite an angelic announcement, and uh, they, uh, of course, appeared to others at this time as well. But uh, I want to just look at this title, uh, The Highest, The Highest. It would be somewhat redundant in what we looked at in Isaiah 57, 15, but uh, there's so much that's there. There's so much that can be uh, gleaned from uh, this aspect of who it is that came and the power of the one who came manifest in the flesh. I thank God that we can know he is the highest. Praise God. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. David uh, is one who uh, is mentioned often in Scripture. Uh, there are uh, different titles, maybe different uh, categories that are mentioned about him. Bethlehem uh, being the city of David. Um uh, the son of David is what Jesus is called. Uh, the sure mercies of David are uh, redundant in Scripture, or uh, repeated in Scripture uh, considerably, and they, thank God they still continue. And then, of course, the throne of David. The throne of David being um, where Jesus uh, occupies now, and uh, there's going to be no end. Praise God. The book of Psalms were not all written by David. A considerable number of them were, 74, almost half, and others written by other writers. Um, but David called the Lord the highest. Psalm 18 has a unique uh, place in Scripture because it was uh, written, for the most part, uh, in, in 2 Samuel. And Psalm 18 uh, has... Uh, almost the same, uh, the same story. It, it refers to uh, the same time in David's life when he is being pursued by Saul. Uh, 
1813, David wrote, The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. So obviously a very uh, momentous time and a, I'm sure, even terrifying in terms of uh, how the Lord displayed his power. Uh, and he is the highest. There's no idol that can compare. There's no uh, deity in mythology or history or um, philosophy. If we could find a deity there uh, that could compare. And David wrote this psalm as he celebrated deliverance from his enemies, particularly King Saul. Jealousy is, uh, uh, well, it's as cruel as a grave, the Bible says. And um, we recognize how it can warp uh, a person's emotions and um, uh, their, their outlook. And Saul was consumed by this. And uh, therefore, uh, he wanted to end the life of David, throwing javelins at him, pursuing him relentlessly, and so on. But uh, David knew he was in the right, and, um, and he knew that God would provide for him, and so he exalts the one who is the highest. And uh, I, I try to imagine uh, the thunder in the heavens, uh, that his voice uh, was, was heard, and, um, and the hailstones and coals of fire bring, uh, I guess, to memory the plagues that uh, came on uh, the Pharaoh and all of Egypt as the Lord would display his power in that way and delivering the people of Israel from that bondage and bringing them uh, out of Egypt. Uh, how incredible that display must have been. But David had, uh, he had some real rough times uh, in this era uh, of his life. He's already had incredible victories, and, um, and yet uh, he is being pursued and um, uh, no particular place that he could call home. He had to keep on moving, keep on escaping, keep on uh, getting away from the pursuit of Saul. And those that were with him, the Bible says, were distressed. Well, that kind of lifestyle would add distress. But they were distressed, and they were in debt. There, there was no financial base for them, agriculture uh, being the foundation of their economy, and uh, they're constantly on the move, so uh, they didn't have any way to pay um, off their debt, so they just kept increasing them. And they were discontented. Well, being distressed and being in debt uh, would add to their discontent. And then Ziglag was attacked, and families were taken captive. And so this added to their distress. And the Bible says they wept until they could weep no more. And uh, they, they were definitely uh, in depression. And then, to add uh, David's distress and his woe. They talked about stoning him. It's your fault. You're the one who brought us here. You're the one who uh, made this situation happen. So what did David do? <clears throat> he encouraged himself 
in the Lord. Now, I think that that part of it, in the Lord, is real key. Because if David tried to encourage himself in, uh, let's say, uh, his military ability as a leader, um, or his uh, musical talent, or his composition of psalms and hymns. If he tried to encourage himself in those aspects, I think it wouldn't have accomplished what it needed to be. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. And uh, thank God that that's the direction we need to turn at times when we're um, distressed, when we're in debt, when we're discontented, when things are not going uh, the way we would like. Thank God that we can encourage ourselves in the Lord and know that's where we can get strength, that's where we can find answers, that's where provisions can be brought forth. Now, David, of course, sought the Lord. What should I do? Should I pursue after them? The Lord said, yes. He said, am I going to be victorious? Am I going to recover? You're going to recover all. So David took the words of the Lord and set out. And we know the situation. Uh, there were some who uh, were exhausted, not able to continue the pursuit, so they remained by the stuff. A, a smaller group went on and uh, defeated those that had taken their wives and children captive, and they recovered all. Incredible miracle. And, um, and of course, we know how that uh, they were able to uh, receive and, and bless all around that, that harmony, that unity that was there. Thank God he restores, he recovers, he revives, he reconciles. Amen. And uh, this is a combative uh, a story or a, 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 a situation of combat, and uh, we, don't, we don't face that hand-to-hand -hand stuff uh, as, as they did, but we are in a battle, and uh, there is warfare, and, and uh, we encourage ourselves in the Lord and recognize that our victories uh, that we have as well. And as I said, Goliath has already been defeated. The bear and the lion uh, twice uh, have been defeated. And so uh, David had much to look back on. But again, what he encouraged himself in was in the Lord. What does that mean? In his word, in his presence, in his power, in his recognition, God never changes. Amen. That's what he encouraged himself in, the eternal most high the highest. Praise God. And thank the Lord, uh, he continued on, and, um, and there was victory after victory. Uh, I think about the giants that were defeated by David's men. And we know uh, there are over 30 mighty men who are listed, and uh, the giants killed by David's servants in battles with the Philistines. Um, thank God that that um, the victories continued on and uh, uh, the leader established what could happen and so uh, the soldiers followed on and did that as well. David's heart was not only uh, directed in victories on the battlefield, he wanted spiritual victories. He wanted 
to be in the presence of the Lord. He determined, uh, I'm going to build a temple for the Lord. But the Lord, of course, told him, no, it's going to be your son. So what did David do? He prepared. The Bible says he prepared abundantly before his death. He set his sights on the fact that there needs to be material, there needs to be an abundance of it, this is going to be a great structure. It's going to be an incredible building. We're going to make sure there's adequate supplies. We're going to make sure it's right here. It's handy. There's not going to be any delay. Solomon is going to be able to rise up even in his youth and bring forth the, the completion of this project. Now, I'm going to make sure he succeeds. That was David's opinion. That was his outlook. And uh, he, he says in First Chronicles 29 and 2, he said, I have prepared with all my might. And um, that wasn't an exaggeration. That wasn't uh, uh, for him to just be saying it from the standpoint of patting himself on the back. Uh, he really did. He really did make that effort, and he did follow through on what he said he was going to do. I wonder if that's where Solomon got the inspiration, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Do it haphazardly. Do it in a lazy manner. Do it when you find time. No, do it with all your might. Amen. So, that was a victory that outlived him. Solomon built a temple. Uh, it continued on. Um, unfortunately, the Babylonian uh, armies would come with destruction in their hearts and mind and in their efforts but um, uh, the temple being rebuilt and so on, and, and uh, the victory that continued on. There's got to be, you know, I, I think it would be good for us to look at what victory is going to outlive us. We give to Christmas for Christ, a church that's built who knows where, and, uh, and the victories that continue on uh, through that outreach, through that effort, through that evangelism uh, of that community that we don't even know about. And, uh, and thank God that we've been a, a part of that. Or something that we are more hands-on uh, doing. And uh, I thank the Lord that there can be that, that part of what we focus on and recognize, okay, this is going to live beyond me. And, uh, and thank the Lord, we can be a part of that. Jesus is the root and the offspring of David. How can you be the root and the offspring? Because he's God. <laughs> Amen. And thank the Lord that he has ultimate, eternal victory. And that's what he wants us to live in as well. The highest is going to elevate you and bring you into that realm of blessing and power uh, in, uh, in victory in his goodness and in his might. Praise God. I know that there are times that we wonder, where's the victory? We wonder, what's happening? And, uh, you know, disease attacks our body. Uh, uh, situations happen. Uh, setbacks occur. And uh, we may, and, and of course the devil's going to be there hammering on your door uh, with, a, with an accusation uh, against God and an accusation against you and uh, condemnation and all of that stuff. But we're going to hold on because the highest is still in charge. 
He's still the one who can display his power greater than any. The power of the highest is incredible, and we thank God for his wonderful word. The birth of Jesus being foretold in Micah 5 and 2. And uh, you know, here in this verse, O Bethlehem, um, though thou be small, yet out of thee shall he come forth. Praise God. Uh, the Lord, uh, you know, you know we, we like to think there can be uh, special circumstances. Everything set up just so, everything falling into place. Then it's going to work. Then it's going to come together. Then it's going to succeed. But the Lord says, Bethlehem, you're small, you're insignificant, you hardly even notice, but I'm going to bring the highest out of you. Praise God. And thank the Lord that we can uh, count on his word in that way as well. And uh, those uh, priests called upon by Herod to uh, tell where the birthplace of the Messiah is, the king of the Jews, uh, they, of course, turned to that passage in Micah and, and, and read it. Had they turned to other portions of scripture and prophecy, they would see that the Messiah was going to be different than, than what they thought. Uh, they, they looked for the Messiah to come for deliverance, for power, for glory, for restoration, for the temple to be built up. Uh, they looked for all of those victories, but they didn't read Isaiah 53, what we call Isaiah 53. And uh, those words, oh my, they're not descriptive of victory. They're not uh, uh, showing success. They're not bringing out how that there is going to be um, uh, the outcome that we hope for. He's despised. He's rejected. He's stricken. He's smitten. He's afflicted. He's bruised. He's oppressed. He poured out his soul unto death. That, that's prophecy about the Messiah. And there wouldn't be the victory that we enjoy here tonight had there not been the fulfillment of those prophecies. I thought about Hebrews chapter 2, and there's several uh, references to death uh, in there. Verse 9, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Huh. The grace of God would bring him to that place, to that fulfillment? No, we, we expect the grace of God to... Uh, to lift us up, to, to change us, to uh, bring us into his glory, into his presence. Thank God it does all of that. But the grace of God, as we read what uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, the Lord saying, my grace is sufficient for you. And uh, because of that touch, because of that awareness, because of that change in his mind and his heart, he said, I'll glory in my tribulations in my afflictions, in my hurt, in my pain, in my difficulties. Um, almost sounds deranged. But 
We know what happened. The grace of God stepped in. And likewise here, the Lord's going to taste death for every man. Verse 14, that through death, he was going to destroy the one who had the power of death, the devil. Destroy? Yeah. Praise God. I thank the Lord that he is able to, uh, to do that. The, uh, the passage in 1 John, uh, someone find it for me. Destroy the works of the devil. The Lord accomplished that. The Lord was able to bring that forth. The Lord was able to bring that destruction to the things of, of the devil. And thank God that's what we know as well. 1 John 3 and 8, there it is. The devil sinneth from the beginning. Huh, that's for sure. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Praise God. And then verse 15 of uh, Hebrews 2 again. He delivered those who fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And uh, he eliminated that fear. Now, uh, uh, the reason we, uh, the scripture says it that way is because we know death is not final. Death is a doorway into the presence of the Lord. But yet it's something we, we know feels final. <laughs> we know that, that that's it. We're done in this life. And what comes next? Well, the hope that we have is we're going to be in the presence of the Lord forever. Praise God. And uh, the touch of the Lord uh, is going to bring us into his power and his presence. That's what the resurrection uh, means for us today. And I thank God that the Lord dealt with his, uh, his death in a resurrection, and he promises us deliverance uh, from our death through that resurrection as well. That's why Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Praise God. The fellowship of his suffering, uh, not so much. We, we, we back away from that. But we move into that realm of identifying with the Lord and uh, knowing his power and his goodness. Standing by the temple with his disciples, look at this, look at how wonderful. Um, and, and the Lord said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. What? been 46 years he's talking about uh, talking about an addition that Herod was was adding on not not the whole uh, temple but the uh, revisions uh, the changes that Herod was adding 46 years this was building and you were going to raise it up in three days he's talking about his body he's talking about his t his temple and thank God he promised I will raise it up and thank God that's what happened that's how he destroyed um, death that's how uh, he destroyed the works of the devil. Praise God. We, we rejoice in that as well. Peter preached on Pentecost about uh, David's prophecy in Psalm 16. That's what uh, Acts 2.31 is referring to, Psalm 16. And uh, Peter is preaching, He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, Neither his flesh did see corruption. Verse 32, this 
Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Praise God. What, a, what an incredible power uh, he was able to preach, both by referring to Scripture and then saying, we saw it. We were there. We, we spent 40 days with him. He's alive. And now he's shed forth this which you now both see and hear. And then he goes on and preaches a powerful redemption message. Praise God. But notice how he emphasizes the resurrection of Christ. God raised him up. And thank God we can give witness to that resurrection as well. Not just a historical fact. Not just looking back and saying, okay, uh, A.D. 33, there were some amazing changes that, that took place. No, we know the power of the resurrection and what the Lord did in us. Romans 8 and 11 uh, is just, uh, 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 it's a verse that talks about the resurrection and the power of it, but I, I like to think it refers to the rapture as well. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that quickened shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Praise God. And I thank the Lord that impartation of life, the life that was, that was given, praise God, is also going to quicken us by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And, um, and, I, and that happens in the new birth, and it will happen when the trumpet sounds. Praise God. And we're raised into the presence of the Lord. And I thank God we can give witness of that because the power of the highest brings a change. Now, that change, if we're expecting the change when the trumpet sounds, there needs to be a change in place now. There needs to be a change dwelling in us now. Amen. And thank God that's what he came to do. John 1 and 12, uh, uh, we become. He gave us power to become. I like that phrase. And all that the highest wants you to be is what you can be. You have power to become the sons of God when you believe on his name. And thank the Lord, we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We receive his spirit as many as, as desire to can, can have that opened up to them. Praise God. How many is that? Yeah. Have you heard estimates of how many Holy Ghost-filled people are in China? China. How can there be any Holy Ghost-filled people in China? Um, 80 million. Now, you probably need to double-check that. But that's the estimate I heard, because there are house churches. They don't, have, they don't have nice churches like this. They can't just come driving up and park and come walking in, and we're going to have a season of prayer, we're going to have a time of worship, we're going to uh, hear something from the Word of God, and then we're going to fellowship, and then we're going to go home. They don't do that. they got to sneak around. And uh, house churches everywhere. Praise God, and the power of the Lord, the power of the highest, giving them power to become. Praise God, and thank the Lord. 
that that's what we're uh, believing and, and, and receiving. That uh, impossible um, setting, impossible circumstances, but yet God uh, able to do that work. Uh, I thank the Lord that's who we serve. And the power of the highest would overshadow Mary. Changed for the rest of her life. Um, Joseph was uh, older, and he, uh, we don't have a record of him passing, uh, but obviously he did. And uh, Mary, being um, a young teenager, when she became pregnant with Jesus, um, is able to uh, live uh, a bit longer, probably in her 50s, I'm going to guess, when uh, the day of Pentecost came along. But can you imagine um, the change uh, that came, to, the, the multiple changes that came to her? Um, and, and she has more children. Um, the brothers of Jesus are mentioned in Nazareth, uh, the sisters and so on, and they, that's how they tried to uh, minimize uh, the Lord Jesus and their unbelief cost them many mighty works. They didn't see them. They could have, but they didn't because of their unbelief. But Mary grabbed a hold of those words from when he was 12 years old. Don't you know I must be busy about my father's business? He didn't have a hammer in his hand. He had the scrolls of the Word of God. And um, he was... You know, those changes, incredible changes. But she witnessed his death. Um, all of you moms uh, can identify with the anguish, uh, the pain, the, um, the hurt, the tears, the grief, the sorrow, uh, uh, just horrible. But three days later, praise God, she saw him rise from the dead, witnessed that resurrection. And then, 50 days later, after the Passover, after the crucifixion, she's one of those speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. She's one of them baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the one she heard the angel say, call his name Jesus. Praise God. And thank the Lord, um, that, that demonstration of uh, the Lord's power, the highest, being displayed for her. And uh, the power of the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Well, that was for uh, that moment, but uh, here all of these years later, uh, the power of the Lord being displayed on her behalf as well. The favor that she had, praise God. And I'm thankful the church can find favor with the Lord as well. Jesus is the son of the highest, and he's the head of the body, the church. He nourishes it. He cherishes it. And um, uh, the whole family in heaven and earth is named for the Lord, according to Ephesians 3.15. And if the whole family in heaven and earth is named for him, then obviously that underscores for us how important baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is as you take his name at that point. 
And Luke 6.35 tells us we become the children of the highest. Praise God. The most high. And uh, we can remember uh, superlatives when you were studying grammar and uh, English and so on, how you knew it had to have an ER ending and then an EST ending, strong, stronger, strongest. And uh, that was the superlative, high, higher, highest. And uh, the much and more and most, those, are, those don't follow the pattern, but we know the superlative aspect uh, is there, the most high. So there's a double superlative there. And we thank God that we know the highest, most high, uh, describes who we serve. Now, David, in his writings, used uh, the title Most High uh, quite frequently uh, when he was writing about the Lord. And, and uh, that passage in Psalms that we mentioned earlier, Psalm 18, is uh, 2 Samuel 22 and 14, and how the Lord thundered from heaven. And the Most High uttered his voice. This is, a, this is the praise of, of David now. This is how he's lifting up the Lord. This is how he's proclaiming, the Lord was there to deliver me from Saul. And actually, he used the word delivered four more times in that chapter. He, 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 the, the five times that he's rejoicing and being delivered, he knows the Most High was there. He knows the hand of God was upon him. And, uh, and so he writes Most High 19 more times in, in Psalms. Psalm 92 and 1. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. And then Psalm 91, the, uh, a favorite of a lot of people. Uh, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Thank the Lord uh, that we know it was the, the Most High. Now, the Most High brought it about, but the Most High is the one who came in the flesh, praise God, and paid that price. That, that's what's so amazing about the incarnation, uh, about Jesus uh, being God manifest in the flesh because uh, of who he is, the Most High. Now, uh, Daniel... Twelve times uh, references the Most High in his book, and uh, thank the Lord he he uh, when when his colleagues were facing the fiery furnace, uh, when Daniel himself uh, was thrown into the lion's den, it's good to know you're serving the Most High, and the king assured him the God that you serve is going to deliver you, and. Um, uh, Daniel 7.18 begins a progression of uh, victory or, or a record of victory that's going to be passed on to the saints in the end times. Daniel 7 and 18, the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And then in verse 22, that's repeated, the saints will possess the kingdom and then in verse 27, it gets even more graphic in describing the, the ultimate victory. The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. 
whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Sounds like victory to me. Sounds like power to me, the most high. Praise God. And I thank the Lord that we can know that power. Now, even the devil acknowledged the most high. Um, in, in Acts 16, the, the young lady uh, that was used uh, to produce income for uh, men who used her as a fortune teller, she followed Paul and Silas around the city of Philippi, proclaiming, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. What's wrong with that? Is it accurate? Yeah. They are servants of the Most High. And they do show the way of salvation. But Paul didn't like the appearance he didn't like the association. We've got to be careful. And uh, not just anything goes. And I, oh, no, there's, there's a, a recognition of, of uh, what spirit they're a part of. And she did this for many days. The Bible says she followed them around the city. She made this proclamation. And uh, part of her... Uh, ability, I guess, to attract attention and uh, to make income. Um, and, and finally, Paul had enough of it and cast the demon spirit out. And she no longer had the power to predict. And, um, and that made the men upset. And, uh, of course, we have the story then, Paul and Silas being thrown in prison. But, thank God, that young girl was no longer imprisoned, no longer in torment, no longer afflicted. And uh, thank God there was deliverance there as well. Um, Mark 5 and 7, the, the voice of, uh, of the demon crying out, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. I adjure thee by God. The devil's trying to pray. The demon's trying to make this request of the Lord. You know, they, uh, when the man from Gadara, who was called Legion by those who tried to make him captive, uh, had the demons about to be thrown out, they, they besought the Lord that they would go into the pigs. Uh, that's why we don't want to monkey with the devil, because he doesn't care who he, he's a part of. He doesn't care who he inhabits or what he inhabits. Amen. We want to be clean. In Acts uh, 19, those seven sons of Sceva, they were trying to do right, but trying to do the right thing in the wrong way doesn't work. And they cried out, uh, We adjure you. By the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And the devil answered again. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And, um, you know, there's a key here uh, that, that we need to understand. Paul and Silas were in the presence of the Lord uh, continually. They, they 
they suffered for that name. They, uh, they understood uh, all that was involved in, in the implications of uh, the power of that name, and it didn't matter to them if it brought persecution. They were going to keep on going because they knew the power of that name. And uh, I don't think they were surprised about that earthquake. I don't think they were worried that they were going to be crushed. No, they, they knew this was going to be an opportunity for them to speak out. And the, the jailer and his whole household baptized in Jesus Christ that night. Praise God. And the power of the Lord that is there. But those seven sons didn't have that. They, they were just trying to parrot what they had heard, what they had seen. They were just trying to piggyback, if you will, on, on something. That, there isn't a formula like that. You've got to be in the presence of the Lord. You have to have the most high dwelling in you. Amen. And the power of that name. Praise God. And I'm thankful that we can know that. James 2 and 19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Amen. Because they, they know the end that is coming for them. And uh, thank God. They tremble, but we, we rejoice. Thank the Lord, because uh, Jesus has already defeated the devil. And I'm thankful as he, uh, as he read the scroll of Isaiah um, uh, from uh, Isaiah 61, and he, uh, we have the recording of it in, in Luke 4 and 18. He has deliverance for the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and the healing of the brokenhearted. Uh, an incredible work that he's able to accomplish because there were many, many afflicted uh, that he healed, that he came in contact with, that they had no answer. They had no means, no ways, no uh, bringing about the healing or uh, change for them that would be positive. But look at all of those positive, positive changes that the Lord says. Praise God. And thank the Lord he's still doing that. And that's what we can give witness to of how the Lord has worked and how the Lord has blessed as servants of the Most High. Praise God. The Most High is going to say, come up higher. Just like John uh, recorded it. After this I looked, Revelation 4.1, Behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me. Pretty loud. And that's that, that thundering, that, uh, that trumpeting, and said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, some would say that was the rapture, but I think um, uh, John is simply reporting that the Spirit carried him away, and now he begins to record uh, all that began to unfold uh, in the book of Revelation. He saw destruction. He saw devastation upon the earth, but he saw victory for the church. Praise God. He saw divine fulfillment of God's word, his promises that were in heaven. And thank the Lord, he wants us to go higher 
so that we could see what he's going to do. His plan, his promise, how it's going to unfold. Amen. And thank the Lord there can be that, that awareness that we have of what the Lord desires to do because the church is going to be caught up. Praise God. Now, I mentioned that figure for China. Uh, how, many, how many since the outpouring of uh, the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost have there been who have passed full of the Holy Ghost? And we don't know. We have no idea. Um, Paul said we're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Praise God. Does that include the dead in Christ rising, or is that going to take a bit longer? Is it going to happen just like that, or is it going to be something that uh, we just stand in awe of what God is doing? And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Praise God. What an incredible victory that is going to be because the Most High is going to bring it about. We meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. And until then, thank God, we'll hear the voice of the Most High, whether it be a thunder, a trumpet, or a still small voice, I want to be able to hear. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Praise God. And I'm thankful he still says, fear not. He still says, be of good cheer. He still promises, my peace I give unto you. Not like the world gives. No, my peace I give to you. Praise God. And I'm thankful he, he, he still calls out to us, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Praise God. I think we need to hear him say, Peace be unto you. Amen. Because there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of trouble. But I'm thankful the Lord can say, Peace be unto you. Thank the Lord. Luke 24, it's interesting that he, um, he refers to uh, himself in the third person and um, repentance and remission of, remission of sin shall be preached in his name. Why didn't he say in my name? Because I asked Brother Treats about this and he said he wanted the disciples and all of the Jews to know that he is speaking of fulfilled prophecy. He's not introducing something brand new, that they would be able to say, that's not in the law, that's not in the book. No, he's quoting prophecy. And thank God that that's what um, he fulfilled. And when he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost, it wasn't just symbolic. At that moment, perhaps it was, but there came the outpouring, there came the infilling, praise God. And thank the Lord, that's what we receive today as well. So I'm thankful we can rejoice in the highest. Praise God. And know the little baby in the manger, knowing all of the, uh, all of the scenes that come uh, about as we celebrate the Christmas story, it's the highest. Praise God. And I'm thankful his power can still save. His power can still deliver. 
and he has much to say. That's why he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he has more to do for you. Praise God. And that's why he wants you to come up higher so he can show you. And you have much to do for him. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Praise God. And you'll be able to do that work. And the blessing of the Lord will, will be there because the Holy Ghost can come upon the church. Luke 1 and 37 is um, a very short verse, but yet very powerful because it proclaims what was highly unlikely for Elizabeth and definitely impossible for Mary. How could they be having a son? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Praise God. And so, in the same way, the bride, the church, can bring forth those that are born again. Proclaiming that message, standing for this truth, lifting up the Most High, proclaiming the Word of God, and giving witness to all that that has been done. Those shepherds and went out into the night. Uh, maybe it was dawning by, by now. Maybe there was light. But they went in wonder, telling everybody, we saw an angel. We heard them singing. We heard the announcement. We came running to Bethlehem. <laughs> all, all that had unfolded, they, they were able to give witness to. And all who heard it, Wondered. Praise God. Let's cause some wonder in our world. Amen. Because God still heals cancer. God still raises people up out of a wheelchair. God still continues to do the work of deliverance and power. Amen. And thank God we know he will bring it to fruition and bring it to completion. As we, uh, as we uh, come to a close here, Here's what I thought we should do. We've been focused on keys this week, uh, this year, and uh, key verses uh, ha have been have been good. You have, you you've shared some um, uh, wonderful verses, and um, and I encouraged you to find a key person to uh, pray for a key person. And uh, that's what I want us to do tonight. I want us to pray for a key person. Uh, I'm still praying for the one I started with back in January. And uh, maybe, your, maybe yours has changed. That's all right. We need to pray for as many as we can. But I want us to stand right now. And uh, I want us to pray for that key person. Um, their key... Uh, because of their family, uh, their key because of a circle of friends, Wh whatever makes them key for you. It doesn't matter. Uh, maybe uh, a loved one. But I, I want us to pray right now that God would show himself the most high. <laughs>